Welcome to the HBW Insight podcast in which myself, David Ridley, Senior Editor, and Tom Gallen, Managing Editor, discuss the week's European consumer healthcare industry news. So Dave, what have you been looking at this week? So I wrote about an interview I did with an Irish company called um, Chanel McCoy Health, uh, and they uh, they predicted that in the next few years the European CBD market would be dominated by Big Pharma, and also eventually the market would go in the direction of uh, the OTC medicines pathway, which I thought was really interesting. So um, essentially the argument was that because of the expensive uh, toxicology studies and any additional studies that um, will need to be done for the novel food, CBD is a novel food, um, it's more likely that the big companies will have the resources to uh, to do that on a continuous basis, but also uh, that, that they will have the resources to kind of create this new category. So, I mean, there's already a lot of um, CBD products on the market in Europe, but um, to establish it as a kind of uh, well-known and trusted kind of consumer healthcare category, uh, they argue that this requires, you know, the kind of marketing, pan-European marketing budgets and uh, consumer education, but and also, you know, pharmacists' education and retailer education that consumer healthcare companies not only have the resources to be able to do, but also have the experience and and all that those connections and also you know the weight of their existing presence and so this kind of supports um, some other anecdotal uh, evidence that we've had from retailers for example health food retailers that you know in the because of the kind of confusion around the regulatory uh, situation with CBD across Europe over the last few years one of the ways that they've kind of um, been able to identify CBD products they can trust is if they're backed by a you know a bigger company. So for example, you've got Nature's Aid in the UK, which is a Stada subsidiary, um, and so you know that Stada brand uh, signals trust uh, for some retailers that we've spoken to. So I think that's a really interesting prediction. We'll have to see um, what happens, obviously, but I don't know whether. It, how you what do you think about that Tom? Yeah, it is um it is an interesting one, isn't it? I, I think it's 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 you can see it kind of going that way in the long run, but I suppose it's how it gets there because obviously at the moment um you know, we've had as you said over the past few years we've had kind of a confusion about what's going on and now we've decided that it's novel food and it's it's going that way. So to then, uh, you know, change again at the moment, I don't know, it seems to me like that that's, uh, you know, a whole other complicated step. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we've got a few big companies stepping in, haven't we, already? Um, we've written about Nestle, I've mentioned Stada through Nature's Aid and also Perigo. Um, but mostly the bigger companies have not yet made those big moves have they no no um i think yeah obviously if you're a, a big player you've got 
you know um as you mentioned before you know built up a lot of trust in the market and you're you know well known for you know prioritizing you know safety and obviously complying with all the regulations with something like cbd especially up until you know recently when we've actually got a clear regulatory framework you know you know you can't really blame the big companies for 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 not touching it for for, you know for now Mm. yeah but i mean it's a huge market isn't it and you know there are different predictions about how big it's going to be but you know some people are saying uh, multi-million you know maybe even globally you know kind of billion dollar market in the future so uh, it seems likely that the bigger companies are going to want a slice a slice of that yeah but, i think when the yeah when the, the the dust has settled i mean you know specifically just talking about the uk market as i said we've got the the going down the novel foods route and you know the deadline is now passed for people to get their applications in so i think you know once we start seeing uh you know more and more companies getting these validated novel food applications and the uh, fsa and trading standards making sure that sort of um, non-validated or you know non-registered cbd is is off the market you know just that that sort of strong regulation i think will um entice more companies in i don't know what you think yeah definitely and we'll talk about your article that you published this week um about the uk but yeah i think it's just there's a couple of other interesting points with that article uh, that interview i did um you know the claim that is also going to go in the way of otc medicines and i think this is the kind of deeper argument that big consumer healthcare companies are just more used to the regulatory frameworks um, and med, you know medicines more regulated uh, more demanding um, in terms of um, you know the studies needed and all of this so yeah that experience would would make them well placed but if it does go in the direction of OTCs um, then even more so and the, the reasoning behind this is that you know there are these health benefits that are claimed for CBD around all sorts of um, things, but maybe anxiety, pain, maybe. Um, but as a food supplement, even as a novel food, you know, you can't make these kind of medicinal health claims. So if these benefits are there, then, you know, companies going to have to do these really expensive clinical trials to be able to support the claims. And the, the OTC pathway is going to be the the more likely or the you know the correct arena to explore that so and that you know that would be more consumer health otc company territory as well wouldn't it yeah and i think that makes sense because you know the way obviously otc operates it's all about you know the evidence of you know efficacy and safety and and things like that so yeah if if cbd you can build up a body of evidence about you know on the on the one hand around um you know the safety in terms of you know if you've got any um sort of traces of thc just to prove that that's you know doesn't have any um you know psychoactive um effect or anything like that and then on the other hand if you've got the studies as you say to back up you know some of the um sort of health benefits i think you know once those two pieces are in place you know assuming that they're assuming that they you know come to fruition 
then I think yeah, OT, the OTC pathway definitely seems to make you know more sense and more and that'll be more of a um, potentially more of a commercial opportunity, you know, particularly for the big companies. Mm, yeah, I mean, it'd be a massive um, do category, wouldn't it? Mm. Um, so yeah, so you, as I mentioned, you wrote uh, another story about the UK, um, and it seems that the FSA is maybe getting itself into a bit of a muddle um, between its deadlines and lists, etc. Do you want to say a bit about the story you wrote? Yeah, so this was based, the story that I wrote was kind of based on a really interesting webinar I attended recently, which was hosted by Alpha Green and Ince. And the main speaker was a barrister, Jonathan Kirk, who's a specialist in consumer law. And I believe he um, sort of represented some of the firms when they were kind of making their case to the European Commission about CBD. Um, I think oh, probably twenty, probably twenty nineteen. Now, when the when the the kind of first uh, rumblings were out about with CBD novel food, you know, how should it be classified, etc. So we'll see someone who's very experienced with um, CBD, you know, even though you know it's a still a sort of burgeoning market. Um, and he just made some really interesting points around, as you say, um, the way. Um, the market is going and the options for companies if they don't make it onto the FSA's um, public register which um, as you mentioned is, seems to have been broken down into a number of lists which are the, we're still not exactly sure on um, how it will, will be broken down but the um, general point is you know if you're on one of these lists um, if you've got an application in with the FSA for your CBD product and they've you know sort of accepted it registered it and accepted it and said okay we're going to look at it um, you might be on one list and then if if the application is then goes on to be validated you'll be on another list and then there's a few other lists as well I think you wrote about in, a, in one of your recent articles um, looking at how these lists might break down but you know, as we've reported on before, the deadline to get your application in was the uh, end of March, so just over a week uh, previously. Um, so we're just waiting now for the public register and the lists to be published. And so once that is published, then CBD will only uh, the, the only CBD products which will be allowed to be sold in the UK will be ones on one of these lists. And what and what happens if you're a company that's not on that list and maybe you thought you should be or, you know, for well, whatever that, reason? Yeah, well, that's what um, Jonathan Kirk was talking about in this webinar. You know, what options um, are open to you? Because he was, um, you know, he made clear from a sort of legal point of view, you don't want to be selling your CBD products if you're not on the list because then you're going to be facing, you know, criminal uh, prosecution um, uh, and he made an in, um, sort of an interesting point that they might look to a uh, trading standards and the FSA might look to prosecute you um, on the grounds of s selling unsafe food which you know he said that they you know could do, 
because they've now classified CBD as a novel food, if yours isn't approved, then they could, you know, reasonably claim that it was unsafe. Um, and he said, you know, that carries quite a stiff um, penalty. So yeah, five and, years and it, in prison apparently. Yeah, and the other the other point he he made um, was, you know, the retailers. If you're not on the list, you know, the retailers will check the list. You know, especially all the the sort of well-known ones that have been selling CBD up to this point. You know, which as we've reported on includes sort of pharmacies and some big like health and beauty retailers. You know, if you're not on the list, they'll they just won't stock your products. So you know you kind of your only option is to then sell it yourself and then as i say that could you know land you in in hot water and he made a you know an interesting point that there there seems to be no uh, sort of um appeal mechanism in the the way the fsa is regulating it at the moment which he which he said you know itself was kind of um just you know not right um which could which would might be the grounds for a judicial review of the situation which is the avenue he's recommending for companies that don't make it onto the list and can't sell their products um so um yeah and then what, what do, and then what does what would what does he think the fsa would do if that was the case well he's he's his opinion is that the FSA won't, you know, want to, if if they start sort of getting all these cases coming in, sort of legal challenges, he thinks they won't want to, um, you know, ch- challenge them f- for now. Because in, in his words, he said the FSA knew that, knows that the way it's handled it is, is quote, a muddle um, in terms of how it's gone about implementing the novel food um regulations and you know as we've reported on they've the regulators kind of made last minute changes um to its rules you know including the one that you reported about recently where they said you know just before the deadline that companies just had to have an application a novel food application submitted it didn't need to be validated um for them to continue selling so it's you know listening to him uh you know kind of pick it apart piece by piece which obviously if you look at the article you can have a look at that you know the, the fsa's approach you know it's just, it's really interesting and you know from someone who's obviously an expert in the field he seemed to seem to think that companies that did choose to to challenge it you know not being on the list would have a you know a good chance yeah i mean it does seem that the fsa have got themselves into a bit of a tangle i'm sure it's well intentioned and we've talked about it on this podcast before that you know we've we've heard from people and it seems also to us that they are trying to find a way yeah i think the point is that this market already exists there's already yeah i don't know hundreds of products already out there and they're trying to find a way to not kill off um, um, obviously popular consumer market um, and good products and good companies um, and not you know kill that market by over regulating or or um, going down a path um, which makes the situation worse so yeah it's just complicated obviously but I think 
one of the points that you make in the article is that for retailers, especially the big retailers, and I've written about this, um, I did a kind of analysis of um, of how the how retail the big larger retailers seem to be operating in this within this situation, and you know from their point of view they don't want to be stocking illegal products um, and they're going to err on the side of caution. So you know that's difficult. I mean it, it might be that FSA are taking a pragmatic approach, but then at the end of the day if you're a retailer. You want to remain on the right side of the law, don't you? And I think it might be that you end up having, you know, having a lot of products disappear from shelves just because of the uncertainty. I don't know. It's all very difficult to predict, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And as I say, you know, the the, the deadline was, you know, supposed to be the 31st of March, and then, you know, we were expecting to see the list of, you know, what is, as you know, what is. Um, sort of permitted to continue being sold and what isn't and it's still not appeared yet has it so mm. it's just it's 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 just an example of the way that it's just yeah not been um you know from industry's point of view i think the whole thing could have been handled a lot better yeah i think you know our readers and subscribers for example would would want to see more clarity than anything i think yeah. so that they could plan you know for entry and actually getting good products on the market so i suppose it just continues doesn't it yeah exactly um but we'll obviously be keeping a close eye up for when the fsa list is published and i think be good to do um a piece on that and see at that point you know where does the market go from here and are there many companies that haven't made it onto the list yeah, I think we'll we'll report on that and do some analysis. Maybe try and do an analysis of um, of the retailers' reactions as well. Yeah. That's all for this week. Tune in next time for more analysis of recent consumer healthcare industry news. Don't forget to sign up for our daily news alert to get the latest HBW Insight stories straight into your inbox. Take care. See you next week.